so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. You're listening to the ERLC podcast. What's some of the uh, good news that he go, featured, Brent? Go, I was going to say, go Is ahead. And, no, go, go, ahead and, here, go ahead and take that, Josh. Well, I have a question. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. To cut this down, ask your question and Josh can answer. I don't oh, I don't know the answer, okay. honestly. Okay, then never mind. I'm not asking it. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you okay? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the ERLC podcast, where each week we're talking about our work here at the ERLC and focusing on what Christians need to know about the things going on in the world. I'm Josh Wester and with me on the podcast today are my co-host, Lindsay Nicolay. Hello, everyone. And Brent Leatherwood. Howdy, y'all. And later in the show, we'll talk to a special guest, Jen Wilkin, who is a writer, author, and very well-known speaker, and we're looking forward to talking to her later. Uh, We just want to say uh, we're at week 12 of the podcast, and we have really enjoyed hearing feedback from you guys every week, and we so appreciate that folks have taken the time to uh, leave us the rating and review in the podcast app. Uh, Just a reminder, if you would do that, and if you do leave us a review, if you would take a screenshot of that and email it to info at ERLC.com, we would love to, whenever we get back to our offices, send you a special gift just to say thanks for listening to the show. But so we can get into it. Lindsay, uh, tell us what the ERLC has been talking about this week. Okay, guys, here's the rundown from the virtual no man's land. So Monday was National Doctors Day. So Scott James, who we've had on the podcast, he's a pediatric infectious disease specialist. That is a mouthful. That is a mouthful. And he's very, very smart. (laughs) We're so glad he's doing what he's doing. And he shared six ways that we can be praying for medical providers. And some of those ways, wisdom, clarity, compassion, family, stamina and dependence on the Lord. And you can go to our site to read more about the specifics of those prayer requests. But we do want to be faithful to pray for our medical providers, healthcare workers who are on the front lines, who are working tirelessly to serve all of us here in the United States and around the world. Uh, A, obviously, Scott is a friend of the podcast. We love what Dr. James is doing and how he is also leading his church there in Birmingham. But it should be noted, I thought this was interesting. Somebody pointed out in previous crises, there have been other folks that have charged to the front lines. And generally, we think through times of war where volunteers came up and our servicemen and women were the ones rushing to the front lines. In this moment, our heroes are doctors just like Scott James, who are, as you said, Lindsay, tirelessly working to serve people and to try and solve this epidemic. And I thought that was a a noteworthy observation. Absolutely. They are our heroes during this time, and we need to rightly celebrate them and pray for them. Next up, we have an article about an area where people are going to be struggling, sadly, in the midst of this 
pandemic because we are so isolated from one another. And that's in the area of mental health. And uh, author Liren Barnett has three suggestions for keeping your mental health in check during COVID-19. She herself has struggled with uh, clinical depression and anxiety. Some of the pieces of advice that she gives in this article is talk to someone, reach out to someone that's going to be a little harder maybe Um, because we're not able to be face-to-face, but thankfully we've got um, so many different avenues for virtual connection or just the phone. Cling to God's promises, and she mentions a practice of journaling or or recognizing your lies, replacing those, and then keep an eternal perspective. So Liren just shares from some of her struggles, enabling us as the church to be able to support those who are going to find themselves in some dire straits here regarding their mental health. Yeah, I know this is one of the things that we've been really, really concerned about as people are in this period of isolation during social distancing. I just want to make sure that that Christians are spending time engaging regularly with other people, even if it is through Zoom or through phone calls or even through text messages, uh, just staying connected to people. Because one of the things about the way that God made us as people is that we are relational and we crave that kind of, of relational connection. And so that's definitely something uh, that this is a helpful article and it's something to be mindful of. It's true. And speaking as one who was single uh, until just a few years ago, we need to pay special attention to those who are singles, who are widowed, who are ill and so are homebound that don't have people that are regularly around them. So next we're going to take a uh, trip around the globe and we're going to talk about religious freedom. Um, Aaron Mercer has an article titled, Are U.S.-India Relations Good for Religious Freedom? Basically in this article, he's talking about though India is a democracy and the U.S. has recently had a good relationship with India, uh, that some religious minorities in India, including Muslims and Christians, have been facing some backlash and some persecution. And Aaron notes how the U.S. needs to step into that and stand up for the religious freedom of those minorities. Now, he's also going to have an article later, maybe next week for us, about how religious freedom, international religious freedom, has been affected by coronavirus. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Lindsay, didn't we do an edition of Light Magazine that was focused on international religious freedom and religious persecution? We did, and it is fabulous. We had lots of great contributions. You can view that for free and download that for free on our site, erlc.com backslash light. And I know this is really interesting to me personally, just because I think one of the areas that uh, is just not, and rightfully so, uh, at the front of mind for a lot of Americans is what is going on internationally with Uh, our allies with countries that may be more antagonistic towards America. And so I think this is a a really interesting article. And I also know that um, our sister podcast, Capital Conversations, from our Washington, D.C. team, they're going to have an international relations and defense expert uh, on their show next week, Paul Miller, talking about what all is happening in the international sphere. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, Paula is great, and that will be a fabulous podcast. And then finally, by way of highlighting what's been on our site lately, we have an article about an important issue that we've been receiving a lot of questions about from churches. It's by Russell Moore, and it's titled, Do SBA-Backed Loans Violate the Separation of Church and State? So basically, does this mean that churches are being funded by the government, and then will they be in debt to the government? So it's a very appropriate issue to be talking about right now, while many churches, 
their giving is down and they're not quite sure how they're going to be paying their bills. Yeah, no, this is this is something that has been at the top of minds for a lot of church leaders. And I think Dr. Moore does a really good job unpacking at the level of principle why this does not violate the separation of church and state. And we'll actually have a question about this that we're going to answer later in the show. That's right. So um, as you can see, we have lots of great content trying to trying to produce content that's relevant to the questions that people are having and to the pressures that they're feeling in their life as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So Josh and Brent, that's what's happening on ERLC.com. Hey, thanks so much, Lindsay. And I uh, just want to plug the good work that our communications team at the ERLC is doing. They have actually put together uh, a landing page for all of our content that is related to COVID-19. You can find that at ERLC.com uh, slash COVID-19. So Brent, that moves us into our culture section for the week. So why don't you tell us uh, what you've been paying attention to? Okay, so we learned this week that six and a half million more people filed for unemployment insurance with the government. So that means over the last two weeks, nearly 10 million people have filed for unemployment. That is a staggering figure. So last week, as we were coming on the air, we, we learned that uh, it was nearly two and a half million people that had shattered all previous records uh, for one-week filings. This week, just more than doubles that. So clearly, we are living in a, a moment of economic upheaval, to say the least. Brent, those seem like huge numbers to me. Uh, is this what they were projecting in terms of the expected number of filings for unemployment? Right. So, so last week beat the projections in terms of how many people analysts were expecting this week. Most analysts were expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four million. And the fact that it was uh, over six and a half million uh, clearly blew through those those expectations. Wow. It's incredible. And so many of our friends and family are going to be affected by this. So many members of our churches that we're not able to see right now face to face. But then when we do see them again, we'll see the distress written on their faces. We're going to try and have some uh, pieces up about this in the coming weeks, just ways that we can care for those among us who have struggled in this way, and then some other practical pieces as well. That's right. And we need to be thinking through for our pastors just how they minister in this moment, because now not only are they having to deal with ministry when everyone is isolated, um, but now a number of those people who are isolated are going to be negatively affected by the consequences coming from these sorts of uh, unemployment filings. It's, uh, it's a moment for the church to shine. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So next, uh, part of this is um, due to the fact that our nation has been asked to increase social distancing and physical distancing until April 30th. So initially, the guidance was for 15 days. But last Sunday, uh, the president held a news conference with his other leading experts about this. And their recommendation is that social distancing needs to be extended for an additional 30 days. So that will take us through the end of April with this guidance. And that's something uh, a lot of folks kind of had been wondering if it was uh, going to be extended, and um, and now we, we know the answer. We're all going to be in this kind of isolation mode for some time, and that's going to weigh on people for sure. 
I mean, frankly, it's, it's weighed on me personally as I've watched uh, the people in my life. I mean, I know people now who have uh, contracted COVID-19. I know many people who have lost their jobs uh, and fa- had family members who have lost their jobs uh, due to this. And to look at this and know that we're going to be in this period till at least April 30th, it's something that that as a Christian has has really, really caused me uh, to, to cry out to the Lord in desperation because we keep talking about how it's unprecedented. It is, but it, it is a truly difficult season. And my heart breaks for all of those who are even more directly directly uh, affected by this than I am. And so uh, it's definitely something for Christians. I mean, this this is a time to pray. And so that's that's probably the biggest thing I would encourage people is just make sure that you are uh, that you are doing all that you can, but specifically that you're that you're crying out to the Lord on behalf of other people as we're going through this. Exactly. And this week, uh, COVID-19, uh, its effects were felt uh, throughout many sectors and culture. Uh, so for example, the the world of country music and the world of jazz lost two huge figures. So Joe Diffie, uh, a guy that uh, had many songs that I would say are part of the the soundtrack of my life. Uh, he passed away earlier this week. And uh, in the middle of the week, we learned that Ellis Marsalis, a huge figure in jazz, he succumbed to the effects of the coronavirus at the age of, of 85. Uh, so this is hitting folks at all ages. Um, and it's uh, certainly a sad moment. But, you know, I remember being back in elementary school and middle school watching videos of, of Wynton Marsalis as he's doing these uh, jazz videos for students. That is just, you know, part of like just education in public school when I was growing up. And then Joe Diffie, you know, his music is a part of the country music canon. Uh, the one that sticks out to me is, is his song Pickup Man. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard that song uh, and listened to it driving down the road. But uh, to see, I mean, both of these figures, it, to see these kind of public figures uh, succumb to uh, uh, coronavirus is it just makes it real for people in a way that it hasn't uh, been maybe before, and it's sad to think that this is probably not the end of that. Mm, that's a, that's true. Uh, on Thursday, we learned that the Democratic National Committee is officially delaying their Democratic National Convention. Just an interesting tidbit from the political world. Obviously, there's a lot of logistics that go into it. Um, next, one thing that we have been wrestling with uh, at the RLC and leading on is whether abortions are essential during coronavirus. And this is a topic of an article that ABC News had asked this week, and I thought it was relevant to mention here because obviously we don't see abortion as essential in any season of life, but especially during an epidemic like this. Yeah, so at the URLC, like we're unapologetically pro-life. We oppose uh, elective abortions all the time under any circumstances. And so we have been pushing during this time of crisis uh, to have these abortion clinics not operate because abortions, frankly, are not essential services. Uh, we we as an organization have been leading on this uh, and, and pushing for state and federal officials uh, to make these moves because we are, frankly, fighting to see lives saved. And yeah, like you said, Josh, uh, the ERLC has been leading out on this. Russell Moore has signed several letters encouraging government health officials to act to prevent the promotion of abortion during the coronavirus pandemic. One thing, as we all have been dealing with this community experience of isolation, is using different resources like FaceTime and Skype and Zoom to connect with people from the office or family members. Well, Zoom this week notified folks that it was going to step up its efforts for security for Zoom calls because there have been reports around the country of Zoom calls being interrupted by really inappropriate material. 
Uh, and so anecdotally, yeah, from they, my they own experience, it, they call it Zoom bombing. Zoom bombing. Exactly. We, we have a new word entering the, the lexicon. So uh, one note from our family's personal experience, our school has said as our children are utilizing Zoom for their class time, they are going to now require multiple steps to get into those Zoom calls. And so that's something I'm thankful for because honestly, I hadn't been aware of this. Yeah. And I talked to a friend this morning whose husband just experienced it. Terribly inappropriate material in the middle of the call and really shook him. And we want to encourage our listeners that if you are having Zoom calls to make sure that you don't publish those uh, links make them and make them public, but that they would be private and you would find another way to communicate with people about those. So let's start talking about some good news. Uh, Southern Baptists are really stepping up their game, trying to be partners with community leaders across the country to to meet this moment. And so I'm highlighting a couple of stories from uh, the Baptist press about how uh, Southern Baptists are stepping up. So one of the stories talks about uh, NAM leading efforts and the SBC leading efforts to donate masks and supplies locally to hospitals and medical officials who desperately need those supplies. And on the other end of the spectrum, uh, state conventions are starting to gather for moments of prayer virtually, which I thought was really helpful for the spiritual well-being of Southern Baptists across the country. If anything, this time of crisis has has exposed our, our true sense of, of dependence and, and our desperate need for God. And as Christians, uh, we, we know so that, that He is the only one ultimately uh, who is in control of all things. And so seeing these uh, state conventions and these local churches and uh, and Christians uh, take time to to pray to one another and to, to ask God uh, to intercede in this moment has been truly inspiring. That's, that's awesome. Uh, from the tech sector, Facebook, I, I really thought this was amazing. Facebook has pulled together resources to create a $100 million pool of funding to award grants for local reporting around the country. Now, look, there are a lot of people out there that have misgivings about media. Set those aside for a moment. When it comes to this uh, coronavirus epidemic and what our state and local officials are doing to combat the virus. Local reporting is a vital resource for communication directly from those officials out to the general public so that people in different locations know how their officials are reacting and how they can prepare themselves and their family. And a lot of times those local reporters are having to go into places where the epidemic is raging, whether it's in local hospitals or local sites for um, taking care of the homeless population or, you know, any number of different avenues. And they're reporting directly back to us. And we often don't think about the well-being of those reporters. And that's not even taking into account the economic headwinds that publishers for local newspapers are facing right now. So this is a really helpful action that Facebook is taking to help local reporters on the ground and something I think that needs to be applauded. Elsewhere in the sports world, the 2020 Olympics are officially rescheduled and they will open on July 23rd, 2021. That certainly gives us something uh, to look forward to. Also, Dolly Parton announced this week, I should say the queen of Tennessee, 
That's right. That's right, rec- Brent. Recognize that. That's exactly. She's giving a million dollars out of her own uh, bank account to Vanderbilt Medical Center, which right here in Nashville, Tennessee, has been on the front lines of not only serving folks in the community who have contracted the virus, but also leading medical research efforts, uh, trying to figure out ways to treat this and ultimately, hopefully, to develop a vaccine. And we will always love her. <laughs> that's good. I hope, <laughs> I, that's good. I hope I hope people are able to to catch that one. Uh, also, slightly on the lighter side, although it's kind of newsy, um, Chris Cuomo is an anchor for CNN. His brother is the governor of New York, and he has won uh, a lot of applause for the way that he has conducted his daily briefings in New York. As a matter of fact, a number of national news outlets actually cut to that when it goes live. Well, they got together this past week, and there was a, a true moment of levity for viewers, even though I think Chris Cuomo from CNN was, was actually trying to be serious. He was asking his brother whether he would consider running for president. And just the back and forth uh, of between the two was, A, it was fascinating, but it was also really funny. And I should also note, Chris Cuomo, it was revealed later in the week, he actually has contracted the coronavirus and he's been isolating at home. But we will link to the original interview that I was talking about because it's a it's a good moment of levity. Yeah. And a lot of times on the podcast, we'll say, hey, you know, you should watch this or you should definitely check that out. Look, I'm telling you, this is the kind of comedy that only two brothers can deliver. It just so it reminds me of the kind of uh, squabbling that I did with my own brother. It is hilarious. You should definitely check it out. And just uh, Andrew Cuomo's dry humor in this clip. And it's not very long, but just just to watch the back and forth there, it was just hilarious. And add into it the two uh, New York accents that both of them speak with. And it's just fantastic. (laughs) Is this where they're arguing about being mom and mom's favorite or something like that? No, that's another one. Oh, okay. We we can link to that one too. We can have two links for the folks at home. That's great. So the Cuomo, this is the ERC podcast featuring the Cuomo brothers. Exactly. (laughs) This is the year of the Cuomo. Exactly. All right. Well, Lindsay and Josh, that's your look at This Week in Culture. So now we're about to talk to Jen Wilkin, who is one of my favorite people. Jen is a wife, a mother of four. She's an advocate for women uh, to love God with their minds through the faithful study of God's word. She's a writer, a speaker. She teaches women the Bible, and her and her family are based uh, at the Village Church in Dallas, Texas. She is the author of a number of Bible studies and several books, including uh, None Like Him, Women of the Word, and In His Image. So we're excited to talk to Jen. So let's talk to her now. Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing uh, serving the Lord in ministry right now. And if you could, tell us also, what's one thing that God is teaching you in this season of life and ministry? Okay, well, I am the, I'm serving my church currently as uh, I'm overseeing our next gen ministries. So everything birth through 12th grade. Um, and then in addition to that, I am still the main teacher at Women's Bible Study and write the, lead the team that writes the curriculum for our men's and women's Bible studies. So I'm contributing also to the Village Church Institute. And then uh, let's see what the Lord is teaching me right now. Um, I think uh, I'm learning a lot about how I want to spend my time. Um, I'm sure like every else with everything slowing down so dramatically with the 
the quarantine stuff, I'm really just evaluating uh, on the other side of this. What do I really want to pick back up again? Um, my kids are all out of the house now. And so, well, actually, you know, two of them are back now as part of this, but, um, right. Just thinking about how I want to, how do I want to maintain a schedule that's flexible enough to be able to spend time with the people I care the most about and also do meaningful ministry in the local church. That's such a good point, Jen. And one of the things that the Lord is teaching me, just the richness of being able to spend extra time with the people that we care most about, which is not something we get to do a lot of times in our society with the normal pace of life. So this podcast focuses on Christians and culture in the midst of everything that's going on right now. And even the slowing down of things, tell us what you and those around you are paying attention to right now. Well, I think in the, in the immediate moment, you know, with just trying to do worship uh, remotely or in our homes on a weekly basis, I'm thinking about the implications for families in terms of uh, even things like, do we see the gathering when it happens in the church building as something that the family does? Is it something that mom and dad do while the kids are somewhere else? Because I know there are a lot of families right now who are having to figure out what do I do with my children right here with me? Do we have them sit and watch a streamed sermon or we give them something entirely different to do? So I'm fascinated with how this moment is going to put on people's understanding of what it means that the church is the family of God um, and that children are not actually the church of tomorrow, but they're the church of today. So that's all intriguing me. But then I'm also thinking about, uh, again, along the lines of busyness. How does the church perceive itself to be positioned in the lives of people with regard to their discretionary time? I'm in the discipleship business, so to speak. And, and, and often I think what the local church has done is said, we're going to make the bar as low as possible on people entering into discipleship settings. And uh, more and more, I just am thinking we're sending the wrong message that um, it shouldn't be that the CrossFit gym is better at discipleship outcomes than the local church. Um, or uh, uh, or any other um, thing that people are giving their discretionary time to, people are raising the bar for people all the time on what they're asking of them, um, and that discipline actually follows the compelling message. So, I'm interested to see how local churches can develop raising the bar when it comes to discipleship in a way that is a compelling vision that draws people in, and they don't say, "Oh, I'm too busy to give my time to that." Instead, they say, "Why would I give my time elsewhere?" Jen, as per usual, you your insight is convicting for a number of folks on a number of levels, and certainly what you just shared there is is right along those same lines. So, thank you for that. So, uh, next question: The Lord has used you to spur on a love for studying the Bible among many people, particularly women. And as you look over the years you've labored in this ministry, what is particularly encouraging to you? Uh, I love that there seems to be a growing hunger for this. And I have to say, I'm as surprised as anybody else that this is the case. Like I always thought I'm going to spend my life asking people to do this, but probably I'll get just a handful of people who who are really going to buy in. And, and instead, I think we're just at the right juncture uh, in, in, in whatever cycle we're in, in, in the church where people are saying, man, I've got to know this book. I can't have a secondhand knowledge of my sacred text. So I think the most exciting thing to me has been hearing from women who it's not just, um, oh, I read about this method and, and it was really an interesting thing to think about. It's I took this and I started doing it with a group of women in my living room. And then there were too many women from my living room. So we moved it to this space and then that group. So we split up into smaller groups. 
And so just seeing that it's replicatable has been really uh, a gratifying thing to see. And then also that people are genuinely seeing transformation occur as a result of, of gaining not just knowledge of the Bible, but tools to gain further knowledge of the Bible, that they're developing the skill. Just in you sharing that answer, Jen, reminds me, one of the things that I appreciate about you is that your ministry and what the Lord has used you to do has just come out of your faithfulness in the everyday and teaching women in, in your context about the Bible and just a, a desire for them to know the Lord and his word. So um, I just, I'm so grateful for that. And like Brent said, it's just so convicting for my own heart. So we just talked about the ministry that you're involved in. You are a busy woman. We see you're speaking things online, although that's come to a halt right now, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> So, so before this, you probably struggled to find extra time in your day. So pretend this is before coronavirus. Um, so when you were, when you were able to find extra time, what are some things or hobbies that you liked to do to unwind and have fun? Oh man, I'm actually getting to do some of those now. If if we're going to be quarantined, I would just as it be in the spring because I love to garden, and I think I developed that habit when they, when my kids were little, cause like I had to have a hobby that happened right outside my front door or I wasn't going to be able mm-hmm. to pursue it. And so this time of year, I mean, I wander around the yard, like a, like a crazy person. Cause of course we're all wearing our pajamas all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm just watching to see whether things have grown another inch overnight miraculously. So I've got seeds going and I've got things that I've transplanted and uh, so I really enjoy that. And then I also, um, thankfully, I really enjoy cooking. And so, you know, I've got two college kids who showed back up on the doorstep in the midst of all this. And so we're having fun with that. And um, we're picking up cards and games again. Um, I am an avid Scrabble player. So I didn't, I'm not athletic. There's not one athletic bone in my body, but I got the spiritual gift of spelling. And um, nice. I, I, but, but my family has, they won't play with me because they, they don't like that I play all the time and I'm really good. <laughs> and, uh, and so I woke up from a nap the other day and I busted my two kids playing Scrabble while I was asleep because they wanted to That's finish hilarious. the game before so I woke up. Win. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you guys can't, you know, I'm going to smoke you out because we're going to be here for a while. So, uh, I'm excited to have some Scrabble buddies locked in with me for the next 30 days. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to let Brent ask the last question, but I wanted to just jump in there and say solidarity on being a nap person because I love okay. naps. Okay. Yes. <laughs> they, they matter. Well, so, so Jen, that was a, a fun peek in your, your home. And so this last question is just kind of quickly uh, related to that. So how are y'all kind of winding down your days right now? What's what's one fun thing that your family tends to do? Maybe it's a show that y'all picked up or a book that y'all have been reading or something like that. What's What's something that y'all do in along those lines? I think we have been, we've been circling back. So the kids are doing, they're finishing online classes for college during the day. So it's pretty much head down during the day where Jeff's doing his work. I'm doing my work and they're doing theirs. And then at night we make the meal together and then we sit down after dinner and usually pick uh, like a movie that we've loved for a long time. You know, something like National Treasure or we watched uh, Night and Day the other night, a Tom Cruise movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really, really, really <laughs> mm-hmm. funny. We've just always loved that. Uh, and so we're just going back and revisiting some of our favorites. Uh, and then, you know, I keep seeing people are posting about things that they're watching on Netflix. I always feel like I need, I need someone else to watch it first and tell me if I would like it. I, I don't like taking risks on some of the new stuff until it's been out there for a while. And then actually, 
Um, my son and my husband are going back to the Lord of the Rings and they're having a little online book club with our neighbor kid who is 10 and is reading them for the first time. So that's been another fun thing we've been doing. Well, we've, we've watched Top Gun twice. So I think we're right there yes. along with you uh, on the Tom Cruise fandom. Mission Gosh. Impossible over here. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm getting all the feels from this conversation because I'm a movie person and these are some of my very favorite movies. Uh, I tell my wife all the time that National Treasure is our favorite movie. It's not her favorite movie, but it's our favorite movie because I love it. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Jen, we just want to say thanks so much. We had a great time talking to you today. We just want to say thanks so much uh, for both taking the time to be on the podcast and also just for all that you're doing. Each one of us, uh, have our families have been blessed through your ministry and we're grateful uh, for you and for all God is using you to do to advance his kingdom. Thank you, friends. Nice to catch up today. We're living in uncertain times. All of our lives have changed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, and none of us know what the future holds. How do we begin to think through recent events and learn to cope with them? In a new book called Where is God in a Coronavirus World, Oxford professor John Lennox examines the coronavirus pandemic and shows us how the Christian worldview can help us make sense of recent events. Lennox reminds Christians that we have a sure and certain hope to cling to when everything around us changes. Go to thegoodbook.com to pre-order now. So now it's time for the lunchroom where we tell you the things that we've been talking about with one another. So Lindsay, what's on your mind this week? Okay, so my husband and I's routine, when he's eating dinner, he likes to watch a show. Now, some of y'all may agree with that or not, but um, our daughter's only one, so we can't really have sit down dinner with her. So we we have um, cycled through shows to watch. And right now we just found The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I'm not usually a Star Wars fan, but just because of marriage to a Star Wars fan, I try it out and watch it. But The Mandalorian has been really interesting. And the best part about it is the baby Yoda. If you saw those memes that went around a while back. I'm kind of late to the party, but it's worth watching just to see that cute little baby Yoda walking around. Have y'all watched this at all? I've watched The Mandalorian and think it's awesome. And honestly, man, thank, uh, you know, just I'm so grateful that Disney Plus is something that's available now because there is just so much incredible content for families uh, that's available. And during this time where so many of us are stuck at home, it has just been, uh, man, it has brought so much joy and frankly relief uh, to our household. It has. And what guy wouldn't want to be a cool Mandalorian warrior dressed up in that silver armor? So I was going to say that I, uh, I, I'm i not like a huge Star Wars fan, uh, certainly not a groupie. Um, those of our listeners who are, you, you know who you are. Um, but uh, The Mandalorian has actually really piqued my interest in learning more about the background of that story. It's, it's such a well-done series, and uh, I'm just anxious for the next season. My thing this week is that right before this, our family basically went into isolation, I got this uh, new Bible for our kids' Bible for my son. It's called the Beginner's Gospel Story Bible. It's by Jared Kennedy. Jared is a pastor of families at Sojourn Midtown in Louisville, uh, where my family used to go to church at Sojourn. And uh, this Bible is something that we have read from almost every single day with Jackson as we have been, and and with my daughter Ellie, as we have been just spending time together and trying to uh, do family devotions and focus their minds on things above. Uh, it has incredible storytelling. It's got beautiful illustrations. And so I would seriously recommend this as a as a helpful resource uh, for families to check out, especially during this period where we're spending so much time together. 
Yeah, I flipped through it just a little bit because some other coworkers have mentioned it, and I cannot wait until Marion is old enough to really appreciate reading it. Jared is a rock star for us at ERLC.com. In fact, we just have an article up by him about what we can learn about discipling children from the Exodus narrative. So um, that's something you'd want to check out. And I know that that story Bible is amazing. That's a great resource, uh, Josh. All right. So for me, uh, we've probably got plenty of fans uh, of The Office in our audience, or if you're like me, yes, a fan do. of the the Jack Ryan series. So this That's next one, about, exactly. This next one's going to be for everybody. I feel like John Krasinski. He recently crowdsourced on his Instagram, looking for good news in the midst of this coronavirus moment, and he essentially came up with what was a newscast of good news, and he hosted it on his Instagram, and that was something that brought a lot of smiles uh, to my family uh, this last week. I mean, Jim Halpert doing anything, uh, and, you know, John Krasinski, his character on The Office, he was Jim Halpert. It was, you know, just one of the all-time great characters from any show ever. And even though I watched him in Jack Ryan, he was incredible in that show. He's always going to be kind of typecast as Jim from The Office. And so this was a fun thing that he did, and it has brought joy and laughter and a lot of levity uh, to a really heavy moment in American life. Before we go, we have uh, one more segment to get to. Lindsay, tell us what's in the inbox this week. Okay, so our question... um bounces back to what we talked about earlier in the ERLC.com content section. So this person asks, I've heard about the loans available to churches through the CARES Act. Is this something you recommend and how can I learn more? So that's something that the ERLC has been leading on. And Dr. Moore, as we talked about at the outset, has answered that question at a fundamental level. No, this is not a situation where pastors and church leaders need to worry about becoming government-funded enterprises. I should be clear, we want to affirm that that wariness is, is a natural instinct that we, especially as Baptists, should automatically have in this moment. But he does a helpful kind of connection with FDIC-backed loans. So if your church is looking to expand with, let's just say, uh, a new family life center, and you go and secure a multi-million dollar loan from your bank in order to do that, that's not something that that most of us would say is some sort of violation between uh, church and state. And similarly, that's what this program is. It is a program where you go to your bank to secure this loan, and it is merely backed by the Small Business Administration. If there are other moves that are made in the future where there are more direct grants for the government, or from the government, I should say, then that's something that we would probably have to deal with at that time. But for this program, as it's envisioned right now from the CARES Act, this is probably something that most churches should feel okay about uh, participating in at this time. That's really helpful, Brent. And I think that, you know, that's, that's why we work so hard to try to make these resources available, because we know uh, that people have questions about important issues like this. So as you mentioned, Dr. Moore has an article about that. You can also check out uh, ERLC's uh, weekly email, which comes out uh, every Friday. And this week's uh, edition cover, has, a, has a rundown on how your church can get more information and what to do uh, if, if you're interested in considering, you know, these loans that are available through the CARES Act. And so we would point you to those resources because uh, they're, they're really helpful and they kind of can, can and help put you on the path uh, of making the best decision about how to move forward. 
Again, we just want to say thanks every week for people who are writing into the URLC to ask these kinds of questions. Uh, we're here to to serve Christians and to serve churches and to help them think through these kinds of difficult issues. Uh, just as a reminder, you can find links to all the things we talked about on today's show in the show notes. And if you like the podcast, uh, as we said at the top, if you would uh, consider continuing to help us spread the word by sharing it on social media, by going in your podcast app and leaving us a, a rating or a brief review. And again, we'd love to send you something uh, as a thank you for those uh, reviews that you guys are are leaving as soon as we are able to get back into our offices. But for Lindsay and Brent and myself, we want to say thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week with more content.